We have two readings today. The first is from 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10. The Lord speaks to Samuel. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. So one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not get to know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And our second reading is from Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. An encouragement for prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. And I added in from the NIV, seasoned with salt, so that you will have the right response for everyone. So let's pray. Lord, help us to listen, to really listen to what you have to say to us this morning. And help us to listen, not just with our ears, but with our eyes, that we might really see you and hear from you. Bless Lou's mouth as she speaks, and bless our hearts this morning with your word. May your words burn within us like a holy fire. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning.
It's good to see you all. Six weeks today, I think, is uh, Christmas Eve. Five weeks today, actually, I think. Five weeks today is Christmas Eve. Do you realize that? Ooh, it's exciting, isn't it? No? I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. That's how the hymn goes, isn't it? Great hymn. All I can say is I think the majority of us probably don't hear the voice of Jesus say. Because the majority of us, I would imagine, are running around like headless chickens most of the time, aren't we? (laughs) Too busy. Too busy. I wonder when it was, I wonder when it was the last time that you felt maybe quite sure that you heard Jesus speaking to you. I wonder when it was. I mean, it's not always a voice. Sometimes people hear from God and they do hear a voice. They hear a voice speaking to them. Sometimes it's because they're given a picture that conveys something of God's words to them in the power of God's Spirit. Sometimes we hear from God through other people, other people, the way in which maybe they respond or react or a word that they speak. Sometimes We hear from God in just a chance encounter. Sometimes it's just that as we're out for a walk and we see something and we stop for a moment and go, a moment of awe and wonder. There are many different ways in which God might be speaking and wanting to speak to each one of us. My guess is that if I were to ask you the question, when's the last time you felt that Jesus was speaking to you? Some of you might say, well... I don't really hear Jesus speaking to me that often. Um, And then we go into this whole plethora of lots of reasons as to why that might be. Because we like to make some sort of excuse that means it isn't really our fault that Jesus doesn't speak to us, of course. Um, And we go into this whole plethora of reasons why maybe he doesn't really speak to people like me. I've got the faith to believe that he could speak to somebody like that but not really the faith to believe that he might speak to someone like me. Because, you see, I'm not really all that holy. I'm not really maybe spiritual enough. Um, All I would say to that is, have you actually read your Bibles? Have you read about the stories of the sorts of people that God spoke to in the past? Have you? Because I think that means he's very likely just to speak to very ordinary, unholy, unspiritual kind of people, ordinary people just like us. When we start making excuses as to maybe why we don't hear from God, I think the most important thing that we need to um, understand happens is that that there is this lack of expectation that we're going to hear anything. I wonder also whether it might be that you and I, we have difficulty hearing from God because you and I live lives today where the art of listening and the discipline, and I use that word, and I know none of us like the word discipline, do we? Because it just isn't nice. It seems a bit of an old-fashioned word that doesn't seem very nice. But there is an, the discipline of listening has been lost in so many ways. You know, we are it, we're living 
in a time of noise everywhere. And I think we are bombarded by so many things that actually um, it's difficult for us to actually listen to things. We can watch the TV but be on our phones or our iPads. We have noise going on in the background of our lives constantly. And you know what, even if you try to get away somewhere quiet and still to try and listen, you will often find there's far more noise going on inside of you than there is outside. I've come to the conclusion that hearing is easy, but listening is really hard. Hearing is really easy, but listening is hard. If you've had kids, you know what I mean. Because you're constantly hearing them, aren't you? And then when they say something, then they go, but I told you that. And you just said, well, I was hearing you love, but I wasn't really listening because I'd switched off to maintain my sanity. You know what I mean? Hearing is easy, listening is hard. It's like if you want to take a phone call in a very busy office or in the middle of a shop or when you're walking out on the street and you've got the phone pressed to your ear. There is a lot of discipline and concentration to actually listen to the thing you're supposed to listen to and block out everything else that you can hear, especially when all the other stuff that you can hear sounds a bit more interesting than what you're supposed to be hearing or listening to on your phone. So in a series on being a storytelling people, because this is really what we've been thinking about, why are we spending this week thinking about listening? Well, because I think to tell our stories, to be those who help to connect people around us to Jesus, we have to be able to listen. We have to be able to listen to God. We have to be able to listen for Jesus. I wondered whether we find telling our stories sometimes to the people around us difficult because we don't do what we hear Paul doing in that last reading in Colossians. The Apostle Paul, let's be honest, he was a great man of God and he had a fantastic story to tell and to share, didn't he? Didn't he? And, and in, this, in that reading, he asked that people would pray for him. And I think it's quite understandable because when he was writing that letter to the church in Colossae, he was in prison. So you can understand the prayer request. But what he asks for is nothing really to do with that, is it? It's a prayer asking that he might have open doors for the gospel of Jesus, that he might have open doors for the good news of Jesus. He prays for the opportunity to connect his story with others' stories. Now, if we're serious, I think, about telling our stories, then we, like Paul, must learn to pray that prayer. And if we are to notice those open doors, we have also, I believe, to be a people who are ready to learn how to listen. Listening to other people, yeah, but also, importantly, to God. Listening for his voice, for the promptings of his spirit, for his words. Because listening creates opportunity for open doors. Open doors for God's spirit to move and work within us and through us. And also open doors for us to share our stories with others. I think far too often we can head out with this burning desire to tell our story and share Jesus. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we'll have never paused to ask, who is it that I'm supposed to tell today? Who do I need to speak to today, Jesus? 
In whose life and situation are you in the power of your spirit already at work in a way that's hidden to me but known only to you? Where must I be ready to join you in your work today? Who, where, when, how? Is that the kind of prayer maybe that we start our day with? When's the last time you prayed that prayer at the beginning of a day? Who am I supposed to speak to today, Lord? Who am I supposed to share my faith with today, Lord? Who am I supposed to speak about you to today? You know, when we share our stories with others, we must always remember we do so because the God of all creation has invited us to join him in his work, not the other way around. I think far too often we'll go, oh Lord, I've got this to do and I've got that to do and I'm, I'm seeing that person and I'm doing this and I'm like, please bless me. When really it should be the other way around. Lord, I have these things to do today, but you're going to know the people that I see, the people I'll bump into that maybe I wasn't expecting to. You're going to know because you're already at work in some of their hearts. Who is it that I need to speak to today? Who is it that I need to share something of your love and your peace and your grace with today? Who is it that the Lord has brought into your sphere of influence that you can follow in his promptings, using the words and the moments he gives you, speak his word to, share your story with. I wonder whether you've ever asked the Lord, who must I be praying for? Who must I be making myself to be ready to be used by you to reach for your kingdom? I said it was five weeks, didn't I? Five weeks till Christmas Eve. I wonder if you if I could challenge you, maybe, gently, but challenge you nonetheless, in these next five weeks to do something. You up for that? Well, oh. <laughs> thanks for pointing out the obvious, my love. Um, of course, it's a holy thing. I wonder whether I could challenge you over the next five weeks to actually come deliberately before Jesus and say, who are the five people that I need to pray for? Five people who don't know Jesus yet. Five people who I know, who maybe I see reasonably regularly, and then that you could commit to pray for each one of those five people for a minute. Yeah, five people. So each person for a minute, for five days in the week, for five weeks. Do you see what I mean? So all it would take you would be five minutes a day, five days a week, for five weeks. I wonder whether that might make a difference. If you were to say, who is it? Who are those five people that I come into contact that don't know you yet, that really need to know you? And I'll pray for each of them for one minute a day, for five days a week, for five weeks. It's a good thing to think about at this time of the year because lots of people, you see, if you're working in an office, you see them in a more social kind of context when it gets near Christmas, because you have your Christmas dues, don't you? You don't? You're miserable lot. <laughs> Christmas is a time when there are extra things that might go on at church that people would feel more comfortable coming to, because it's more kind of acceptable to go to church at Christmas than it is at most other times of the year. Who are those five people that you might be able to pray for? So, listening to God. Listening to God, I think, is hard. 
So if you feel that you're struggling with it, can I just put it out there? Listening to God is really hard, all right? It's not the easiest thing in the world, I don't think. If you looked, remember the opening of that reading in 1 Samuel set the scene, really, I think, to tell you how hard it can be to listen to God. In those days... In, oh, sorry, I've got a bit behind, there you go. That was the bit about five people for five minutes for five days a week, okay? That's to help you realise that that is something that I've said. Anyway, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So right at the start, we realised something. These people are living in a time when maybe quite understandably, the expectation that you might ever hear from God is pretty low. It's pretty low. It reminds me a little bit of bird watching. Um, I was taken bird watching quite regularly when I was little because my dad loves bird watching. And as a child, it was one of the dullest things I have, think I have ever wanted to spend my time doing. Do you know why? Because you're, you're young, right? You're wanting to run around and make lots of noise and get dirty and mucky because I was kind of feral a little bit. I think I was a bit feral, really, when I was a kid because we just lived on the farm in the summer holidays with my mum and dad and we could go out, make a lot of noise, get messy, do whatever you want. But dad would always go, let's go bird watching. <sighs> and we'd go off to some bird reserve where you have to wear dull clothes so you fit in with the surroundings where you have to talk. So you can't even use your outside voice outside, hmm? which is very confusing as a child because you can't use your outside voice inside or outside when you're bird watching. And then you go along to these places called hides where you sit with lots of other grumpy looking old men mostly, <laughs> which immediately seems a safeguarding issue to me really. <laughs> and you sit on very uncomfortable wooden things that are never the right size for a small child because you can't see without standing up and you sit with your binoculars that your dad's tried to focus in but his eyesight's terrible so you can't see a thing and you sit with your elbows on this thing looking like that and all my dad used to say was 25 to 2 25 to 2 can you see it? Is it 25 to 2? No, because I don't know what 25 to 2 is for a start. But when you could see it, it was just a dull brown little thing that sat there and didn't do that much. But what I did learn, though, there was once when I went, and the discipline of sitting quietly paid off. We went to the RSPB reserve in Sandy in Bedfordshire, and as we were walking quietly, these people quietly made it known to us, because everything has to be quiet, that there were kingfishers about. There's kingfishers. If you sit quietly, you might see one. So I thought, well, that's okay, because that's a bit more exciting than a dull brown bird. So we went into the hide, and we sat, which seemed to be like a whole day, but it wasn't, but it seemed like it, because when you're little, time does slow down. And we sat quietly hardly moving with the binoculars ready and I saw one I saw one and it swooped down into the water and it picked up a fish and it went back up to its little bit of stick and it ate it and I saw it and it wasn't at 25 to 2 There was a discipline in it, though, that nearly killed me. But if you give up 
you cast aside the reality of witnessing it. There is discipline required. You have to put yourself in the hide, on the uncomfortable wooden seats, with your binoculars ready to have a chance of seeing it. You have to be quiet by being still and by being ready. That's how you see the birds, the boring brown ones and the really good ones. And I see this kind of dogged discipline here in the story of Samuel and Eli. The word of the Lord was rare. Visions were really few, but the lamp was still burning in the temple of the Lord. The temple was still being looked after. Eli was in his usual place. They were still in the place where they knew the Lord would speak, where he might possibly turn up, where they might be those who would hear his voice. They hadn't given up and gone somewhere else. And God rewards this, I think. And so what I just want to say is this. Do you know there are times in your Christian walk with Jesus when actually you will feel like giving up? You know that? If you don't, God bless you, but it will happen because that's life. There are times in your Christian walk where you will have no felt experience of Jesus being with you at all. And it's hard and it's difficult, and you will feel like going somewhere else. Trust me, you will. Stick at it. Don't give up. Sit yourself in the hide. Get your binoculars ready. Sit quietly. Be still. Don't give up, because God rewards that dogged determination. And he is always nearer than you think he is. He's always closer than you think he is. Stick with it. Of course, we hear that Samuel hears God calling to him and he thinks it's Eli. I, as Eli, would have thought, how great that I sound like God. Hmm? But obviously he didn't. Now, some commentators have noted that maybe Eli's inability to twig or to recognize that it must be the Lord speaking probably just indicated Eli's own unfamiliarity with the voice of the Lord. Well, maybe, or maybe we should just be a lot less judgmental and think that, do you know what? His expectancy for God to speak is probably really low because it was a time when the word of the Lord was rare. Who knows? But all we can be sure of is that Eli eventually realizes that it is the Lord that's trying to speak to Samuel, and he brilliantly then, I think, encourages and enables Samuel to listen to God. He tells him how to respond. Do you know, sometimes we need other people to help us listen to God. Sometimes we do. Who is it that helps you? to hear what the Spirit's saying to you. Who is it? And maybe as I ask that, I, can I also ask this? Who are you helping to hear the voice of God? Who is it that you might help to hear what Jesus is saying to them? Rather brilliantly, I think we also see something great in this story as it unfolds as well, you know? God does speak. And who does he speak to? The priest? No. He speaks to a boy who doesn't really yet know anything about God. He speaks to a boy, someone who it might be really easy to think is far less important, far less knowledgeable and experienced than the priest. 
And if you read on, you'll see that the message that's given to this boy really isn't a very easy one. It's not without some weight. It has implications that really aren't very easy. And maybe if I'd have been Samuel, I'd have rather have not had a word spoken to me by God if I knew it was going to be that one. But wonderfully, we read that Samuel, he acts, he shares, he speaks the words that are given to him. And that Eli hears the word of God, receives the word of God, acknowledges the word of God from this child. I wonder how this might speak into our lives and living, into our church life together. How ready are we, really, to listen to God and maybe to receive his word? Sometimes receiving the word of God isn't isn't always an easy thing. Are we ready enough to receive the word of God from somebody we might consider not really up to the job? They're younger, younger than us. They don't know as much as we do. Or maybe they've just not been here that long, so they really don't know how things have been or how things work. I wonder how easy it might be for us to hear and listen to the word of God spoken to us by a child who most of the time acts like a child. I wonder. We need to be people ready to listen to God, however God might choose to speak his word to us. But also I think we need to be those who are ready to listen to other people. I've never ceased to be amazed at what people might speak about when they realize and they believe that you are really listening to them and that you genuinely care about them. I mean, Jesus models this in his ministry. He models it time and time again. He could, really, when you think about it, Jesus, Son of God, he could have just come, preached, laid it on the line, plight of humanity in the face of sin, our greatest need being a spiritual one for cleansing, for forgiveness, for restored relationship with God through all that he was going to do. But he didn't do that, did he? He didn't just do that. Again and again, we can read and hear, and in our mind's eye, we can see him as he encounters people, as he listens to them, and as he asks questions. There's the rich young ruler. You read about it in in, uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke. A wealthy young man, and he gave Jesus such an open door, such an opportunity to speak the bare essentials of faith. What good thing, he says, must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, that's the kind of question, isn't it, that we'd like for people to come up and ask us. But notice that Jesus doesn't just sock it to him like I'd have been tempted to. Well, (laughs) let's make a start, shall we? I'll tell you what you need to do. He doesn't. In the face of this wide open door, he listens and then he asks another question. And that next question, in reality, opens this young man up even more. He says, there's only one who is good. If you want eternal life, then obey the commandments. But the wealthy young man says, well, which ones? Because obviously you need to be sure. And Jesus tells him. And then the rich young man explains that he's kept all of these, but he wants to know what he still lacks. You see, listening and the questions, in doing these things, Jesus has opened this young man up and who now really gives away something of his story of himself because his real need stems from the effects of his wealth. He's got so much money. He's earned respect and standing within society because of it. He's amassed wealth and it's caused him to think and believe that he can actually buy his salvation as well. Jesus listens. He identifies the real need is to deal with his wealth and what that wealth has done to him. And that's when he says, well, go and sell all that you have. 
blind Bartimaeus, good old blind Bartimaeus. He persists calling out to Jesus, hacking the rest of the crowd off as Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem on the Jericho Road. His real need is his spiritual blindness. He's not interested in anything, though, really, other than the restoration of his physical sight. And Jesus listens to him and responds with a question that addresses his need. He meets him exactly where he's at and instantly a connection is made that leads him to where Jesus wants him to be. And that is ready to follow him. Ready to follow him. You see, however hard we might want people to be on, however hard we might want people to be on our agenda with all of this, asking the questions we think they need to be asking, asking the questions that we know we've got all the answers to, they're not. Very often, they're not. Peter, he's been out fishing all night and he's caught diddly squat. Now, we might not think that's a big deal, But no catch means no food for the family, no money from the sale of fish, not a great situation to be in as a fisherman. All he really needs ultimately in the big scheme of things is his sin problem fixed. But he wasn't really all concerned about that really at all that morning when he hadn't caught any fish. And he wasn't really interested in asking questions about it either. Jesus listens to where they were all at. He must have been aware as he set out in Peter's boat to teach the crowds on the shore that the catch had been non-existent that night. It was surely something that they were all talking about when they were washing and mending the nets on the shore. And aware of their situation, what is it that Jesus asked Peter to do? Peter, you really need to seek seek forgiveness. Peter, you really need to repent of your sins. Peter, you really need to acknowledge my lordship. No, that's not what Jesus asks. He says, do you want to put your nets out again? Put your nets out again, Peter. And then, as you know, they catch this massive haul of fish, so huge the nets break. Jesus meets them where they were at because his strategy is to listen and then respond. But I'm afraid to say far too often ours is to tell them. Tell them where it's at. And when they don't seem to get it, shout at them. Tell them a little bit louder. They maybe just can't hear you. And then just to get really angry with them because why don't they get it? Listening is essential, I think, if we are going to be serious about connecting people with Jesus. Listening fosters an atmosphere of honesty. It recognizes somebody else's pain, maybe the pain that they just can't resolve. It recognizes and acknowledges fears, fears that people have for a loved one or for the future. It appreciates memories of all that they've accomplished. And when you do that for somebody, when you do that for somebody, the doors fling open, wide open. You see, all of these sorts of things come to the surface only when you grant to another the privilege of really being listened to and not just heard. It facilitates your ability to enter into somebody else's world Another thing that the Apostle Paul, I think, speaks about in 1 Corinthians 9 when he says he's become all things to all people. Why? So that he might be able to lead them to salvation. So he might be able to connect them with all that Jesus is and has done for them. Listening, you see, creates rights for connection. And it gives people dignity and it accredits value to them. If we are going to be a storytelling people in the way that we are called to be, we have to get serious about our need to listen. 
to listen to the people around us. This is what Jesus models. And it would seem to me that Paul follows the example of Jesus. Listening to others open doors, creates opportunities, earns us the right to share our stories, and in doing so, to help connect people to God's story. If we are going to be a storytelling people in the way we're called to be, we must get serious about our need to listen to God. Learning from the story of Eli and Samuel that listening isn't easy. Listening takes discipline and it takes perseverance. And it isn't passive. It demands action and it demands obedience. And often we need other people around us to encourage us and to direct us and to help us. And so yet again I will say home groups, small groups are one of the ways that that can happen. And if you're not involved in a small group, why? I wonder how are you listening today? How are you listening for the voice of Jesus? How are you listening to the people around you? And in what ways can you actually get serious about listening to God and listening to the people around you this week? Because I think it's only when we do that that we will truly be able to become the storytelling people that we are called to be, doing what Jesus does and in the way that Jesus does it. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you are the one who has pursued each one of us from the very beginning of time in love. Thank you that for the beauty of the world around us. Thank you for the many different ways that in the power of your Holy Spirit, you set out to catch our attention every day that we might see you, that we might hear you, that we might know you. Lord, help us to be a listening people. Lord, we know we've got two ears and one mouth, and we know we usually use our mouths more than our ears, really. Please help us. Help us to stick at it when it seems as though you've gone silent. Help us to be disciplined in just sitting and being with you. Raise our expectations that you are the God who longs to make himself known to us every day, freshly and in a new way. Come afresh to us, we pray, and enable us to be those who listen to you and who truly listen to those around us, that we might be used by you, that we might join you in your work, in the power of your Holy Spirit, to connect people with the wonder of all that you are for them. We ask it in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.